everyone, and welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity CISO Thursdays. I am here with Renee Small, my amazing co-host, and Val from CFF, who's going to talk a little bit about that foundation and some of the things that we're doing for, uh, to tackle the cyber problem of today, tomorrow, and the future. Um, before we get there, for everyone following us on LinkedIn, uh, follow us, connect with us, ask us questions, because we're really here to help individuals as well as leaders tackle those cybersecurity problems uh, that we're going to talk about today. For those of you following us on YouTube, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and that notification button. That way, you'll see us pop up the next time we go live. And for those of you on podcast, feel free to share it with all your friends and family. So, Let's start our session of today. Um, Renee, how are you doing today? Hello, sir. I like I like your intro better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> you had so thorough. You know, you don't forget anything. I always forget something. I am good thorough. practice. Good practice. That's and then right. Val uh, from Cyber Future Foundations. Yeah, make sure I say it right. Um, Val, tell us a little bit. Uh, about yourself. Let's start with your background. How did you get into cyber? Sure. And, and you know, the, thank you for having me, Chris and Renee. Great to be here. Uh, I, I've been, I've seen a couple of podcasts uh, uh, from the other side as an audience. And of course, you've got an amazing fan base within CFF, especially within the CFF leadership team that have uh, really been fascinated by the work that you have done, the awareness that you have raised. So kudos to you and thank you for having me. I'm really honored. Um, I, I keep practi- I have to keep practicing my introduction because Chris, just like you, went through it very quickly, uh, so smoothly. <laughs> Mine changes every time, and and up until recently, I used to be um, uh, with EY as the managing director for cyber uh, security on the energy sector, and was responsible for Americas. And uh, a month now. Uh, uh, you know, with Cyber Future Foundation, we have a new business, uh, with a new core that is being set up and a lot of fascinating, uh, you know, work that's being done with the community and uh, working with, with folks that are close to and have been part of CFF uh, to create new, um, you know, avenues for supporting our community. So overall, you know, I've, I've been in the cyber industry one way or the other for the last uh, 20 years uh, um, uh, and and seen through uh, different uh, even name changes for the cyber industry. So I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that, and hopefully we can we can share some of uh, what I have done in my background, and also relate to, um, uh, to how you are trying to get more people to join uh, cybersecurity industry. So great to be here. Thank you. Uh, and um, I don't think a lot of folks might, they might not be aware of what Cyber Future Foundations was. Um, I know I wasn't when uh, someone first asked me about it and did my digging and found out maybe it, it was just a website at the time that needed some some updating, which is why um, I, I wasn't sure about it. But yeah, tell us about um, how the Cyber Future Foundations got developed because we're, we're chatting before we went live and that's a really interesting story. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and you know, it's uh, it, uh, the Cyber Future Foundation just get, came about probably the right time to get a lot of the things that got started 
you know, th around that time frame, five, six years down the line, we are seeing this, uh, this changes. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, like earlier speaking with you, that I'm a serial social entrepreneur. I've spent a lot of time in spinning up and helping and supporting nonprofits. Uh, my first one was a Cloud Security Alliance, where we worked to put together a huge organization that it is today. But uh, starting off with uh, with a handful of people, just make, making sure that the cloud security uh, roadmap and the guidances are evolved and, and prepared properly. And 12 years back, it was all a hype. And, we're not sure which direction we're going, right? Um, but working through that gave me a tremendous amount of experience and exposure to the problems and challenges that we see across the board, not only within the cyber realm, but also how businesses make decisions, how uh, you know organizations use technology, and how those affect you know eventually the the larger macroeconomic or national security issues. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just like probably things happen during, around dinner tables, two of my friends uh, and colleagues from the from the industry and one from the federal government side uh, um, uh, and, and, a, and a few of others where we're talking about how to make sure that we get cybersecurity uh, into the board discussions, make sure that they're part of the C-suite discussions, make sure that uh, the the national leadership of whether from the you know from as industry the captains of the industry or the national leaders they understand the implication of cyber it's not just technology right there's so much of other aspects that are involved there's policy there is risk management there's finance there's technology innovation so many ways to or so many aspects to consider on cyber so uh, you know uh, one of those discussions was uh, uh, with one of my good friends robert rodriguez and uh, um, and it was Admiral Rogers at the time was the NSA director and all around the dining table or dinner table was um, how can we make that happen from a public partnership side? So, you know, I kind of raised the hand and said, okay, I already do this uh, 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 through my other avenues. Let me go give it a shot. And we started CFF, um, uh, literally that we, were, we used to call it Cyber Peace Alliance and it didn't go much, right? So the interesting fact is it started off as Cyber Peace Alliance and it was like, well, what is cyber peace? It's green peace, like you know, you're an activist type. Like, and at that time, you can imagine activism and cyber was not the good thing, not even now. <laughs> so, so we had to rebrand it. And the next year, we met again. I was like, well, what have you done? I was like, just getting started. So, but but that was a serious business at the time. There were so many uh, challenges, so many breaches happening, um, and the boards were getting like moved out, CEOs fired, but nothing really was making any impact, right? So it needed a very serious conversation around that. So on my flight back from the dinner, uh, I put together the constitution of CFF and my good friends like Harold Collum, who I worked with um, in Dallas at the North Texas Time Commissioner at the time, and Dave Marvel, who just retired from, from uh, DHS. They all you know came together to support. So we started Cyber Future Foundation practically as a platform for cyber leaders to connect with business and national leaders. So that they can get make informed decision based on the real experts who are actually on the field, right? Uh, and we have maintained that tradition for 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 the longest time. Uh, uh, and probably we we should pay attention to our website and everything. But it's all about action. Uh, we don't do produce we don't produce a lot of things, you know, kind of uh, uh, white papers and all. Uh, we are absolutely action oriented. So when we get together in our annual meeting in Cyber Future Summit in October we go through a laundry list of issues that our cyber leaders and our business leaders collectively think that they need to solve. And then from those 20 odd issues, we, we land on five plus one model is what we've landed on. 
So five durable problems that need to be solved plus one emerging problem, current affairs issue that needs to be solved. That five plus one, then we go to Davos at the at our cyber future dialogue. I mean, last two years have been crazy to say the least, but uh, we have been able to take them to a global forum and and be able to have consistent solutions uh, for this community and for the wider cyber community and many of the practices, discussions, and approaches um, that you see a lot of the cyber leaders follow today were one of those discussions at CFF um, that happened, right? So it, it's an executive leadership forum with a focus on getting uh, solutions uh, made available to, uh, you know, to the cyber community. Uh, and, and practically that can be, you know, turned into a cyber program or cyber program practice. Wow. That, that's I love the the positive aim to to action, and I know one of those actions that are coming out of your last board meeting is the the Cyber Talent Week. Uh, yeah. Tell us about the the mission behind that. Yeah, uh, no, that we we are excited and really thrilled about the Cyber Talent Week, and and with what all the preparation that's going on, you would probably see you know March 18th we're going to finalize the agenda and all the structure. But it, it was one of the call to actions for, for the cyber leadership team is that we had about 30, 35 sessions this time. In each of the sessions, the one big topic was that we need more people in this business. We need to break the barrier to entry. We need to you know, you know, uh, address the disconnect that we have. It's not just that you know, there is there's dearth of talent. There's actually a lot more, lot of people who and candidates were willing to come in and jump in. How, as cyber leaders, how can we make sure that we're able to give them that opportunity? And Rene, probably you deal with this every day, right? Uh, that there are people who want to come in, but there are leaders who are hesitant to give them an opportunity, right? So uh, what we decided is that it's, it's, you know, let's not just do one, you know, one hour of round table or half a day or we'll just come to, you know, contribute or, or commit one full week talking about the different aspects of cyber security talent. And that's how Cyber Talent Week came about. And to to you know give opportunity for every area and region to talk about. So we said, let's look at it, this as a North American initiative. Scan the country and the nation from like the top, from the left to right, um, and and throw the spotlight on each state or province in Canada who are working on specific uh, resource issues of talent, uh, cyber talent there. And that way, what would happen is. We know there are certain things that we do well. So, for example, in Texas, you know, we, we've got a lot of uh, um, resources and a lot of hubs. Uh, and East Coast and West Coast gets fairly uh, a fair amount of exposure in terms of cyber talent as well as opportunity. But with COVID, something changed, right? I mean, everybody can work remotely. There are, now we should be able to tap into the talent. See, when I was at EY and, and prior to the Deloitte and, and Cognizant America Cybersecurity, in each of those programs, I mean, I had the mandate to hire hundreds and hundreds of cybersecurity professionals, right? And the way I had to go about them is, you know, uh, one of my leaders are going to put together a job, uh, you know, post. They will, will approve the headcount and the budget. We know what level and all that. And then it goes back to the talent team. The talent team would have to get people to move to places or they have to go to a client. I think with one thing that has come about with this, uh, with this remote work is that People, we can actually tap into talent anywhere and everywhere. So we said, we're going to scan the entire country. So now we have broken this up into 
into three regional conferences and two days of national conference. So if you're in the West Coast, uh, uh, Pacific and Mountain time zone, you have 18th, we are kicking off the Cyber Talent Week. Uh, Central region, we are doing on the on the 19th. 20th, we're going looking at the East Coast and then continuing on to the national uh, you know, conference on the 21st and 22nd. So you've got about 50 to 60 hours worth of programming. Uh, about 200 uh, leaders have signed up uh, and there will be more coming. Uh, and that's why I see in about four and a half months. I mean, this team is amazing. The you know you probably del, you know kind of interacted with some of our some of our CFF uh, volunteer team leaders. Uh, Catherine, shout out to Leah uh, and and everyone in there. They are trying to make sure that if there is a problem, we find a way to solve this. And the Cyber Talent Week is one of those ways of of bringing the community together around a very important topic that needs to be solved. We need to make sure. The candidates know how to break into cybersecurity in the industry. I mean, recruiters like Rennie, you have the tools to to identify, uh, you know, and and be able to qualify candidates. And the cybersecurity leaders who really need the help um, of all of us uh, have ways to engage them, whether as an internship or an apprenticeship or uh, as full-time employees, right? So this is really a drill down on that for an entire week. So I invite you and your community to join that Cyber Talent Week and make it absolutely successful. And what are like some of the things that you've seen previously in conversations with um, the, the leaders that you've mentioned that we can do to improve the, the talent pipeline and yeah. kind of create a sustainable model that can be used uh, across small and medium-sized businesses, and then potentially something that larger organizations can use. Because uh, there's repeating patterns that we see, whether it's on the candidate side, the education side, or uh, the hiring side, that causes gaps or breaks in the process that, that could be improved. Yeah, no, great question, Vinny. Yeah. No, I just want to add that I'm, I'd be curious to hear your experience because you came out of the big four where I know that they um, tend to break, get people who are early career, entry level, you know, college grads and grow those folks. Mm-hmm. So I'd be just curious to hear your experience with that, because as you said, you had, you know, budget and headcount of hundreds of um, cyber professionals. So I'm wondering if that is going to be your um, your expertise and best practices will be shared during this talent week. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not just Val, it's gonna be Val plus 50 times. I think we are all wanting to, to share where we see the roadblocks are and, and hopefully collectively we can make that solution. This is not like an as a practice lead, say, say I had 400 people. In my day, so these 400 people are at, at different levels of, of skill set and experience, right? One thing that I can tell from my vantage point is that it's very difficult, and probably as a cybersecurity uh, professional, you can you can appreciate, especially this community, that it's very difficult for someone in my position or one of my partner CISO's position to give someone who has not got the experience to get their hands on on. On critical systems, right? I mean, every system for uh, 
Every system in business is critical when it comes to security. Nobody wants to take a chance. And that's the risk we are trying to mitigate, right? And the challenge is for any of those work that needs to be delivered, whether in development or pre-production or production, uh, whether it's finance or it's customer facing, you need to have some real experience to do that, to, to make, you know, to implement, to, to design, to implement, to configure. Now, how can we make sure that that experience can be had prior to actually using that experience in a, in a live production environment, right? So that is the magic that, that needs to happen, but it's not magic. It actually is very much doable. And that's what we're doing from a CFF side as well. And, and that's our new venture. You know, you see uh, us announcing, probably we can do a little bit of teaser or preview for, for this community before, but that's exactly what we are trying to handle. There is a gap between when students come in or, or entry-level career seekers come into cybersecurity with an expectation versus where we are expecting them to perform immediately, right? And, and then you can imagine the amount of cyber challenges and threats that we are dealing with. Nobody wants to take a chance or a risk, right? Not you. You would not want your bank or your healthcare provider to have someone who's a college grad who doesn't have the practical you know, production experience to put hands on that environment. You would not want, I would not want that for, for, for sure, I know. So we have to give them a place, a safe place to practice those uh, skills, right? I think there have been a lot of improvement in this in this area. One of them is having cyber ranges and having a lot of, you know, hackathons. Say that again. Hackathon and many areas uh, that can be, that can be utilized to do this. Um, what we are doing, and then this is a little bit of preview of what's coming up in the next couple of weeks, not even months is we are setting up a national cybersecurity help desk as a commercial initiative that will give the entry point for those that are looking into get into the cyber and the way we are doing this and this is this is why all these years of working with cff and the cff community and leaders is quite important that we want to have as many people coming into cyber as possible as diverse opportunity made possible right so what you're going to do or is is we're going to give the cyber help desk or take the cyber help desk as the staging place for those that are trying to get into cybersecurity. And with that, you have a model. So, so what we have designed is about a pod. So pod would be a combination of, of two or three apprentices with one full-time or two full-time you know, uh, senior person, probably a couple of years of experience, and then a supervisor over there and that's shared across these pods, right? So with that model, what you have is you are able to have supervised production, uh, I mean, experience uh, and front-end customer service experience that people can get and then let them go work for the enterprise. Like they have got a couple of years of experience and we are trying to shift this left. If you're looking for some content and guidance, some structured uh, framework to follow, you, uh, you know, go to my LinkedIn or go to cyberfuturefoundation.org and frameworks you will find a what we call a transformation learning platform program and that kit, that addresses the need at every level um, and that is going to be kind of the framework for our discussion at cyber talent week uh, there are three three areas we are focusing um, one is expanding the the cybersecurity opportunity pool right so you you make sure that you you pull in as many as as possible into this pool and you can only do that by giving a little bit of broad, uh, you know, narrative. Right now, the narrative is, you know, you can have to be a cyber defender, cyber threat hunter. 
there is so much other work that needs to be done. I need program managers. I need technical writers. I need testers. And I, I need so many different skill set. It's not just one cyber threat hunter I need. Well, that, that's an essential element, but I need to run a program. I'm not running a SOC, you know, remember. So those that are tapping into and trying to get into cybersecurity, think about the various different skill set that could be applied. If you're, in the, if you're trying to get into a cyber vendor space industry, I mean, we need ex exceptionally good marketing skills and exceptionally good articulation and visualization UI, UX skills. They are not cyber threat hunters, but they can take the, the, the knowledge and they can articulate and present in a way. Why do you like some app or some product better than the others? Because an artist is behind that. That's not a scientist. The scientist is doing all the back-end work, right? So we are opening up the gates of opportunity to those that are beyond cybersecurity. Just cybersecurity. So that's one area. Second is we are making sure that we make, uh, we provide landing zones for cyber opportunities right so everyone and then you can you probably you know Rene, you have seen this too and and chris as a practitioner you have seen like everyone aspires to do something different have a change learn something new it's not just the entry-level people you know i've had identity access management architects senior architects telling I'm done with this. I want to go learn something new. I want to do something new, right? And do you think they get the opportunity? Uh, it would be very difficult for me to get an AD architect put into a SOC or a threat hunting position. It is as much a problem. I mean, you have the direct exposure probably, but it's as much of a problem, trust me, that I have had to convince, um, you know, data security program leaders to take on someone who has not done that before, even the senior people. But the good thing is, they are next to each other. They can, you know, they can learn over a period of time and then they can get into the space. So how can we make sure we get those discussions happen uh, in this uh, remote environment? We can make those discussions happen virtually, right? So the coaching and the mentoring piece that needs to come in with this. And the third thing is, is making cybersecurity a, an essential element of business, right? So that's why in, in Cyber Talent Week, you will see uh, a lot of leaders joining and talking about the, the things that they want to know, they need to know. And it is not all technical. Policy management, risk management, financial budgeting, uh, you know, organizational planning, all of these elements are required. And and then, the, so Rene, you, you as a recruiter is our front door, right? So I hope you are demanding both from the candidate side, bring me more diversity, and also from the leadership side, you're asking to see how else can I help, right? I mean, it's not just, I'm going to place a SOC analyst, I'm going to place an identity man. How else can I help to diffuse cybersecurity into the organization rather than having only cybersecurity, you know, CISO as your, is your client? Uh, so I'll, I'll stop here. I can go on for <laughs> forever on this particular topic. Well, um, I, I mean, I, I appreciate your, everything that you have to say because that's, the reason why we're all here like Chris and I had people coming to us and we have done I mean I've personally gone to CISOs and said what you know we know that in and CIOs and CTOs and say we, we don't have we don't you don't you don't need this level of experience for this role or you don't need or this person could easily be transferable transferable their skills can be transferable into this space especially at that mid-level which is where I think we're really hurting um 
It's just that I think there are a couple of um, factors that make leaders, managers, whatever, you know, struggle with bringing the people in. So some of the points that you made in terms of, you know, are you going to give the keys to the kingdom to a junior person? Of course not. Um, but it seems as though there's all of this other angst around entry level and it only, and I've been recruiting for 20 years and it, this has been the most baffling um, space for me because and I haven't recruited medical professionals, but everyone else, there's always an opportunity for entry-level people. You know, when I did accounting and finance, you're not going to give your investment banking top client to the junior baby <laughs> brand new person, right? There's a stepping stone. There's a ladder. They're under people getting experience and practicing and things like that. I was on a call the other night talking about this very topic and um, the lady I was on a call with, who I hope hope she gets to be on this podcast very soon, I was saying, you know, in the military, you're taking literal 18-year-olds and turning them into pilots in 18 months. Like, you can't sit here, folks, and I'm not saying you, Val, because obviously you're a solution to this problem, but folks want to sit around and say, like, you know, people need all of this and you need all these extra years of experience and what have you. And in every other industry, People come with a basic level knowledge and get training to get into, you know, to be proficient, obviously, with some cover. You're not going to put the brand new 18 year old in your best fighter pilot to just go off. But after experience training, et cetera, et cetera, they become proficient pilots. And this happens across the board. So it's always I'm scratching my head like I've been scratching it for five years trying to figure out what the story is when it comes to this. So. I so appreciate what you're doing um, in terms of doing, you know, providing folks with training, the transferable skills piece, because again, an AD director, like you said, there's skills that they have, that seasoning, there's all these various factors that come into being a a leader or someone that's a mid-career professional that you learn from just being in organizations and corporations and how to communicate and all that kind of stuff that someone that's fresh out of college likely is not going to have. And that person can easily transfer, but there seems to be all of these additional barriers. So I'll be at the talent week. <laughs> I definitely want to, to learn more, hear what leaders have to say, like here, what, is, what are these, what are these supposed, cha- not supposed, I know they're challenges, <clears throat> but how can we overcome them quickly Um and solve this because to me it's a solvable you know we have solutions you sat here you mapped out solutions you've seen it done in Deloitte you've seen it done in EY I've I've, I've sat and listened to presentations from PwC like this companies are doing this and and it's it's weird that it's like this you know you have this uh this group that or you know some folks that say they that it can't be done and you have this back and forth going on so um, I truly appreciate it. I actually have to, to hop off here. So I look forward to meeting and participating in Talent Week and Absolutely. hearing, well, from, and hearing from people. Hearing. Oh, another thing I wanted to say is that recruiters typically, you know, we want, our whole goal is getting people into roles. Like we want more folks in. It makes our lives easier. Yeah. I hate to go back to the same five people and say, you, oh, you yeah. know, I got another job. I know, I have to, <laughs> what I mean? Like you want to build that pipeline. So yeah, 
Anyway, let me hop off. This was wonderful. I'll listen to the rest of the conversation and I look forward to participating on, on the 18th. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, Renee. Uh, Val, to add to that, I think in addition to the the private sector that we've talked about, we also have the government sector that is looking for ways to attract and retain talent. Because I know they're competing with the the private sector. So, what are some of the ways that you've seen that they're trying to innovate uh, recruitment and retention in that area? Well, uh, no, that's that's so important to to our industry, and I think you know a lot of uh, us come from the uh, from the federal background, and uh, you know most of us have led this challenge of of you know building team, retaining team, uh, especially the constraints that we have with uh, you know they have with the government uh, payroll system and the lengths, and then how much you can pay versus competing with the industry, right? So. Very tough challenge, uh, but I do have to give a shout out to the current national leadership team. I mean, Jen and Kirsten and, uh, uh, you know, Director uh, Easterly. And I'd say, um, I mean, now we have a fantastic uh, cybersecurity leadership team in the country. And I, you know, couldn't be proud, more proud to, you know, partnering and working with with, uh, with these leaders um, by themselves. I think they're a brand, they can attract more people, but the thing is how do we keep them, right? Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, if you think about what uh, I recently got to learn about, uh, you know, uh, the that English's uh, uh, focus on workforce, he's trying to put a specific team on workforce. I'll, I'll share the link with this community when I, uh, after this call. Uh, but they are trying to establish a new avenue of workforce development around the country. And, and, and I believe most of this is in the public-private partnership model. Um, and honestly, this this started, I think, at least a few years back, uh, where uh, you know it was openly said that uh, you know you have young people who are coming out of school, go directly work for the government, learn uh, as much as possible, and sharpen their skills, and then go back to the industry, and then come retire, come back with the work for the government, and retire there, right? So, so I think that it will continue to be a revolving door, but uh, but I believe. Uh, the federal, um, there is no bigger customer, like, you know, looking at as a CISO or a cyber program, I mean, there's no bigger customer or an environment as, as complicated or as challenging as the federal government and the systems and the agencies that go in there, right? So if you're a true learner, I mean, your first five years, if you spend there, you can go solve any other problem. And the only one that you probably would be comparable is to the big banks, right? Uh, uh, so, so it gives an amazing amount of opportunity to go solve. And then you can see probably a lot of our community leaders, they actually go to rotations two to three years, they will go spend and most of the, say, Reserve Bank federal leaders, um, CISOs, it's, it's a two-year tenure, right? So follow the leaders. And that's what I think most of us do. Like, you know, we, we, we go as parts. Again, you go, you know, establish a program or fix some things that broke and then come out. Uh, I think until we fix the overall talent problem, uh, we will still have an issue. However much incentives we have anywhere, whether it's private sector or uh, uh, private sector or it's uh, public sector, doesn't really matter. Uh, uh, you know, not everybody is motivated by the money, uh, uh, which is which is true even in the private sector. I've had the most uh, 
uh, you know, amazing people. They could have gotten a job anywhere, but they love the team. They love the environment. They love the culture and the challenges that they face and solve day to day. Um, so federal government has its own appeal and the federal government agencies definitely need to have, um, they need to first create that many positions. And, and, uh, and, and I'm sure a significant amount of folks who are this pipeline as we build and expand, they will stay in the government because there is so much to learn. And then as they get three, five years, they can probably come out and work in the private sector. Um, so it, uh, I think there are opportunities everywhere. It's just not limited by um, uh, you know, the constraints anywhere. Every organization, every environment has its own constraints. No, I definitely agree. Um, and then it, uh, is one of the, the topics that you plan to cover or potentially that you had in one year solutions is how do we develop a, a pipeline uh, that addresses people that are currently in the market uh, mm -hmm. people that are coming into the, the market and then that people that are still in the education system, how can we highlight cybersecurity as a um, an area for them to consider? Because I, I, I've seen recent studies where they would interview college graduates and ask them if they have ever heard about cybersecurity. And the only time they've heard about it is when there's been a breach. But they didn't, they didn't know that this was a, a career that they could consider or even something that they've ever studied before. Um, what can we do to, to raise that awareness earlier on uh, in the process? Uh, no, that's, uh, that's key to our success going forward as an industry, being able to successfully do um, what we were set out to do as professionals in the cyber industry. Uh, and, and it must start early. Uh, you know, the earlier you you start in these programs, and it has to be systemic, right? It cannot be just one school doing it or not. So I, I'll give you some of the great examples that I've seen. And, and most recently, uh, I have been really uh, blown by what I have seen at North Dakota. So they don't start just at K. I mean, they were pre-K problem, you know, getting cyber as early as possible. Um, so those discussions need to start early. They need to be in, you know, in in built into the education systems. And I think some some states have already done it. So we don't have to reinvent things from the scratch. Of course, we're going to continue to refine. But I think look at uh, look at the San Antonio ecosystem, right in Texas. Look at um, North Dakota Bismarck ecosystem. Um, Idaho is doing the same thing. I think. Uh, that's why I think that I'm really excited about Cyber Talent Week because then we can throw the spotlight on on the things that are happening in places um, that could be uh, kind of you know replicated in other parts of the country, and uh, and we can all collectively become stronger and add to this cyber um, talent uh, pipeline. Um, so that that's definitely one thing. The second thing I believe is, uh, you know, we may have amazing content, we may have amazing. Uh, experts and resources and in this world of digital content there's not you know there's no dearth of it some stand out definitely this podcast does uh, but we have to make this available and accessible and in front of the schools and, and students right they need to hear about these stories uh, when they're in probably you know um, middle school or even sooner earlier uh, and 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 it has it, it has much wider implication and impact than just uh, you know, broadening the funnel of cybersecurity um, workforce. See, uh, if we train, and not just if now we now we are seeing this in practice. Say we are training hundred cybersecurity 
uh, you know, candidates. I will not say professionals or practitioners, but candidates, right? Who are curious, want to know, learn, may possibly go into industry. But those hundred, maybe all of those hundred are not going to go into cyber as cyber professionals, but a lot of them are going to become developers. A lot of them are going to go into, you know, law, policy making or, or management. And imagine the amount of, you know, impact it makes when they make a decision based on that information of cyber inform. And, you know, 50% maybe won't go do a technology job at all, but yeah. they are consumers. And that's why we need to start early because once we start early with, you know, in kind of putting in the, the cyber thinking into the brains of these early and why it is important because of our children, they spend the most time online. I mean, regardless of how much, you know, parental guidance and all you have, <laughs> I mean, those apps really, they have to, they have, they have to evolve in certain ways. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I think those children uh, that are getting cyber informed earlier, they not only have a potential to become cyber practitioners, but most of them are going to become very secure cyber citizens. They're going to be safe and they're going to help themselves to be safe and help others and their friends to be safe uh, in the digital world. I mean, you think about Discord, you think about Minecraft, I mean, anywhere you go, I mean, all of this is digital. That's where our kids live now. So it, it has so much secondary impact in in directly people's lives and kids lives right yeah and to share an example um pre-covid i i went to my son's elementary school as um kind of talk about your profession day and mm -hmm. talk to them about um the a to z's of uh, malicious threat actors and <laughs> what they could do to protect themselves and you they were in um, uh, just before grade one, um, kindergarten. Yes, they're in kindergarten. And A, I love that the girls were asking more questions than the boys um, mm -hmm. when it came to like, what can we do to protect ourselves? What can we do to, to be aware? So asking those types of questions, whereas the boys were like, how can I be a hacker and break into the system? Um, we, we need to be able to kind of promote as a career. So, um, yeah, I was very surprised at, at the feedback and the input. And I think every if every cyber professional did that, um, we would have an amazing impact on the school system. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you did that. I hope more and more, you know, dads and moms go and spend time uh you know with their professional experiences at school so how many students uh, how many professionals we have we have probably about you know 500,000 professionals uh, and and maybe you know two, 250,000 of them are parents can go and teach their kids in school i think that would be amazing <laughs> that that would be amazing but one of the the challenges that i've seen from covid is that you now have uh an outflow of teachers um from teaching so yeah. we also need to uh kind of enable the teachers um that are there to to share that knowledge as well and to be able yeah. to to do that because they're on computers at school they're mm -hmm. they're doing their assignments and apps online that yeah. are helping enable and magnify what the teachers might be able to do through gamifications yeah. So yeah. Uh, um, fr from from the CFF point of view, what can we do to enable schools 
um, to be part of the solution as well, or school systems uh, to help empower them? I'm glad you asked that. I mean, you know, this is one of those uh, CFF moments, I would say. Uh, back in 2018, we, we had the summit, uh, you know, during the summit, we made introduction between one of the school ISD CISOs with one of the ISAC, uh, I think it was a Global Resiliency Foundation, and, and unfortunately, this, this dear leader is not with us um, anymore. But she tried, tried to, so she connected this to one of her leaders. Uh, and now we have a K through 12 Isaac and K through K126.org. Go there and find out that there is a, yeah, there is a very structured program now to get kids educated on cyber early and then actually bring them on to support school systems. So that's what K-12-6 ISAC, and that discussion actually started on the on the attendee floor of CFF. Uh, you know, two two speakers came together and said, "Okay, we should do this for for at a larger scale." And then and this guy, um, Eric, Eric goes and says, "I'm I'm already doing it in two ISDs or three ISDs. How can we get national?" So I think one good opportunity that we have with the school systems is. Um, you know, we give this as a professional um, development opportunity or learning opportunity for the high school and, and uh, you know, even, even you know, middle schoolers can go yeah. uh, work on labs, you know, kind of maybe a little bit more uh, structured boundary. But those high school students can help to protect their own schools, right? And that's how they get the first-hand you know, experience. So that started right on the CFF um, the floor, and we are very proud of that. And uh, and now that there is an organization actually working on enabling school and high school kids to uh, to protect their own schools and ISDs, right. um, so let's do that nationally, right? And since you talked about like um, kids protecting their own schools, what's your thought of cyber as a vocation rather than a profession? I I think uh, that's absolutely essential. Um, uh, you know, so you could do this as a hobby, you could do this as a part-time or you could do this full-time, doesn't really matter. Um, there's definitely, I would welcome more people to join professionally because there is an amazing uh, durable career opportunity here, right? Once you're into cyber, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of burnout now because of the of the stress that we have. I mean, especially with COVID, we were thrown into many different situations. But I'll tell you, this is a, uh, this is a field that I have been for the last 20 years and I enjoy every bit of it um, because there is new learning every day, new challenges to solve, right? And we solve this with really smart people. Um, so as a vocation, if somebody wants to take it, I think uh, uh, they will quickly progress into make it a profession, right? Um, so so absolutely welcome people who want to join this just for, you know, just for knowing, learning and the fun that's involved in solving cyber challenges and problems. And, and then like kind of on that route what if we follow the example of nursing or electricians and create apprenticeship part um pass for individual to come in and start with no experience kind of do the smaller things while learning like you mentioned in the pods um kind of that approach um but at, at scale yeah Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you picked up one of my, my most favorite and things that I'm really passionate about. So uh, 
we did a proactive proposal to DOL back in 2020, and that's how we started this whole cyber apprenticeship journey. Uh, so this is not a, uh, you know, this is not an aspiration anymore. It's actually a program. So if you go to, uh, if you go to apprenticeship.gov, you can actually search for cyber apprenticeships that are available. And this follows the exact path that you show. It's actually very, it's a little bit tough uh, to define the cyber apprenticeship, but uh, because of the way it's structured and the, uh, and the opportunities, are, it's not a very, see, it's not a very mature industry, right? We are still evolving as an industry. Uh, whereas, you know, uh, the welding and the cutting and uh, carpentry has been there forever. Um, uh, and IT industry hasn't invested so much in apprenticeship, but I think that's the key. It's a bridge between internship and a full-time job to bring in more people, give them a varied experience, but very structured experience where, you know, uh, they're also getting paid. So, uh, you know, if you if you need more information, there is a plenty of resources available through CFF for cyber apprenticeship program. We have uh, uh, Safal Partners uh, is our workforce development partner in this okay. journey. And, and they work directly with the DOL to take this to different parts of the country. Um, uh, but apprenticeship is essential and is key. Um, and absolutely, we, we support that uh, thoroughly uh, in, in practice. Um, I mean, this whole CS and National Cyber Help Desk, a third of the workforce for National Cyber Help Desk is planned already to be apprenticeship, right? It's not like we are, we are bolting this and just like we don't want to bolt security into this. It should be by design. Uh, yeah. uh, the business solution wise uh, to for the talent solution, so apprenticeship is a must. It must be factored in. And it's a very it's a very economically you know viable solution. See, uh, running global teams and and working for global organizations, I have had teams around the world, and a lot of this is kind of labor and economic arbitrage. I have had teams in India, in Philippines, in Brazil, everywhere, and many times it was because of the cost factor, not just the you know we got scale and amazing talent, and collectively we could solve things. But think about the economic opportunity that we have in this country. Uh, that we can unleash by giving opportunity to a certain bracket, which financially works out. Uh, you know, the minimum wage for apprenticeship is $18 and it wow. can go as much as 32 bucks. So I can get, a, I mean, those leaders who are tuning in here, think about this financially, 18 bucks to 32 bucks for that entire year, you are somebody's training and learning and applying their own time to learn. It's a structured training. So 144 hours of training, that's already planned and programmed into your um, into the delivery. So they're working for you for the rest of the you know uh, what sixteen hundred hours. So sixteen hundred yeah. hours plus one forty four hours, seven hundred forty four hours you're getting. You're getting free five hundred fifty dollars worth of training that's available through DOL. Uh, you know a full year's worth of training. So why won't you take advantage of that? Eighteen bucks to thirty two bucks. That's your cost to run an apprenticeship per person. So if you want to stand up a team, make sure you plan for apprentices. And that way, you're not only helping uh, your team, your budget, but are also in introducing new, uh, you know, cyber career uh, journeymen into this program and into this industry. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the one of the other things that that's really close to my heart is uh, we we have such a strong military that trains up individuals 
in certain verticals, but once they leave the the military and they kind of lose that structure, they don't know what to do. Um, What's your thought on like skill bridges that also kind of use that apprenticeship model to help um, integrate these military service men and women um, back into the community? Yeah, no, that that's so vital for not only you know furthering uh, or giving back to those that have served us, but also bringing them to new opportunities that they can you know they can contribute to. Especially with those that I know the, those team members that I've, I've hired from uh, you know who are who have served, they bring an amazing amount of discipline. I mean, uh, you know the, that discipline takes time, and they have already gained that discipline. They have gained the work ethics. It's it's just exceptional amount of you know kind of delivery uh, perfection that you can bring in with someone. So if you are a cybersecurity leader, give an opportunity to a serviceman that has served this country, and you can do it in so many ways. There are lots of resources that are available. Apprenticeship is definitely one, and and there are specific programs from the VA, and there are specific programs and combination of DOD and DOL also, um, which pays for the first year's worth of wages. See, the apprenticeship program for DOL that uh, we have is specific to the training part. So we we have some funding to pay for the training for those apprentices. Um, there is another resource, uh, if, I, if my memory serves right, look up Georgia Cyber Center and, and probably paste a link there. They have a program that they have funded, they can fund the wages for this. So if you're a business person looking for investing in, in someone who was Coming, you know, as a serviceman coming into the civilian society and looking for a, a profession, bring them as an apprenticeship. We will invest them in their training. And uh, Georgia Cyber Center and a couple of other consortium members, they can pay for the wages. So collectively, you know, it's it's taken care of. All you have to do is take a chance and give an amazing service person who has served this country uh, a new career opportunity. Uh, and so take advantage of the resources. I think, I think you know, Chris, this is this is what kind of rattles me a little bit. There are so many resources that are out there that are known in pockets. If we are to pull that together um, and and provide one channel and funnel to um, uh, to help our industry, I think we have a lot of resources that we really you know not aware of are not generally known, and and they are in pockets. So this is one of those. Like for veterans, we have a program, uh, government-funded program, which they can take advantage of, both for training as well as for the wages. Wow. Yeah, I, I knew um, so, some of the skill bridge does for a, a certain amount of days as you're as you're part, doing the transition out. But um, th- that's great information. Thank you for sharing that. Like I'm gonna share the links right now uh, for everyone on there as well about the Georgia Cyber Center. Um, we're approaching the, the top of the hour. And uh, the way I kind of like to wrap things up is um, based on ev- everything we've discussed so far, for, for someone trying to break in from your experience, um, what, what would be one piece of advice that you would give them? I, I will say that, uh, you know, look for coaches and mentors. You are not looking, you know, don't start looking for an employer, okay? Look for coaches and mentors, and and you know there are Val's and Chris's out there who are you know curving out their times to uh, to help shape new new teachers uh, or new entrants in this field, and we really want you, uh, and we will do everything to find opportunities to get you in. It might not be a dream job to start with, but you know you got to start somewhere. 
so look for coaches and mentors and and don't look for the first employer maybe those coaches and mentors will become your employer one day uh, and it's it's a two way street right you have to do your side of the work and we'll do our side we'll make sure that uh, you know the time we invest is uh, is is well utilized and and uh, if you're trying to break into this um you now pick up uh, pick up this amazing community of uh, contributors that are there in cybersecurity we need you more than probably you need us <laughs> uh, yeah i mean we we have such uh, we we claim we have such a shortage of uh cybersecurity individuals i mean i think it's a mindset that we need to pivot that we need individuals that have cyber competencies but yeah. they don't necessarily need to be in a cyber role um yeah. we can have security champions all across the organization yeah. and if we really integrate security into the culture we we might not need a role in cyber because we we have someone in accounting that is focused on fraud and thinks about cyber we have someone in help desk that's thinking about cyber we have someone in software development that's thinking about cyber we have someone in sales that's thinking about cyber so if we all come together and and put those parts of cyber together we become stronger together absolutely stronger together is the bottom line is the key you can never have a you know for a thousand people company or a 10000 people company all of them cannot be cybersecurity team in the cybersecurity team but you are right with yeah. your knowledge your awareness and your keenness to to solve this problem you are so yes please contribute in that way you you don't need to be a you know in the cyber team but you are the cyber team as a as an organization well well um we we've been here uh, close to an hour so i it's think it's all an hour wow <laughs> yeah i know i know it, it it's it it's been it's been amazing um i i'd like to just wrap things up folks on linkedin follow us um follow myself follow val follow the cyber future foundations we've shared lots of links in, in the chat both here on linkedin as well as on youtube and what we'll do is we'll update the show notes with some of those links uh that way you, you all have access to them after the fact uh for those of you following us on youtube uh hit that subscribe button hit that notification button that way the next time we're here you can pop up and for those of you following us on podcast um this was an amazing episode at least in my eyes so give us a five star review and share it with friends and family that's interested cuz um like like Val and I were just saying stronger together uh we can create that solution uh for today tomorrow and the future um thanks all for joining Val thanks for for joining it was a pleasure thank you